Victor Viet Radio Show, an interview with Lily Allen. And before we get to Lily Allen, here is some Lily Allen on CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwari Human Serviette Radio Show. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Hello. Right off the bat, I wanted to give you a Vancouver gift. I have this bag here from, for you from Astro Satchel. <laughs> Thanks. Now, if you'll turn over the bag, what do you see on the front of that bag? What design is there, Lily? Uh, hair. Hair. Or it could be interpreted as wigs. Yes, wigs. And there's been some controversy regarding Lily Allen and wigs. Really? Do, do you wear a wig, Lily Allen? No. <laughs> I thought this might throw off the paparazzi now because they'll think that this is a wig case when you're carrying it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has it got a wig in it? No. No, there's no wig in it. It's just the bag to carry the wig case, you know, to throw off the... Have you had problems with the wig? What is the connection between wigs and Lily Allen? (laughs) Uh, I wore a wig once on stage at a festival called Bestival. It was a pink wig. 
What a nice name. Best of all. They really worked hard on that name, didn't yes, they? It is pretty, pretty amazing. And since then, people have been asking, are you wearing a wig? Uh, no. I've never had the question before. Oh, well, it's good to clear that up then. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lily Allen, I was also wondering, Toronto and the song Smile. Okay. What's the connection between Smile and Toronto and Canada? You, of course, are aware of the song Smile, aren't you, Lily Allen? Yes, I am. I wrote it, so, uh, yes. Um, I don't know what the connection is. What is the connection? Well, the connection is there's some Canadian content on that song. For instance, what can you tell the people ah, about Jackie Matu? So, Jackie Matu lived in Toronto for a while. Who is that? Jackie Matu, and how does it play into Smile? It's uh, sampled from Jackie Matu. <laughs> the song. So we have some Canadian content right in there with Smile. I didn't know that Jackie Matu was Canadian. Well, he lived in Canada the rest of his life. Like, he was born in Jamaica, but died in Toronto. So it's some Canadian content. There you go. That's the connection. To Smile. But there's more Canadian connections, Lily Allen. Is there? Your music teacher. Was she not Canadian? Rachel? Yes, was Rachel Santesso. She is Canadian, indeed. I think she might be coming here tonight, actually. She lives in Vancouver? Uh, I don't know. Or she definitely said she was coming to one of my Canadian gigs. And uh, I'm pretty sure Vancouver, yeah. She, she lives in England, but I think her family are from here, maybe. Which is awesome, because we have Jackie Matu, we have your music teacher, and we also have you, Lily Allen. Yeah. You lived in Toronto for a while. You were an honorary Canadian. I did. I lived in Toronto for about seven, eight months. And then of all the places in the world to start your North American tour, you started your North American tour in? Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Lily Allen, Jackie Matu, Rachel, and? Toronto. Toronto. So, Lily Allen, when did you get into the ska? Because there we have Jackie Matu again, and his band, The Soul Brothers, you sampled on Smile. When did you get into the ska? How did you get into ska? I love the ska. How did I get into it? Uh, my parents were very into ska music. That's how. Go this through the collections? Yeah, I guess so. Did you get dressed up as a little rude girl and go to out any gigs, you know? Did yeah, you see any yeah, local had, ska bands? I had the whole, like, little shirt and tie and the blazer and the, yeah, the pork pie hat. That was me when I was a kid, dancing what, around. What bands did you check out? You know, Alex from Franz Ferdinand was in a ska band at one time called the Amphetaminis. Were there any local ska bands you checked out from England? No. None? Kind of a bit before my time, really. But, I mean, the bands that are going on, like, right now. Like, were there any local contemporary I ska bands? Like modern contemporary ska don't think it's very good. It's the older stuff. So why do you like the older stuff, like the Studio One stuff? Why do you like that? Because it's good. <laughs> and you like teaching kids stuff, don't you? No. Lily Allen, you like teaching kids stuff, don't you? I've never taught kids stuff. Yes, you've taught kids stuff through the use of a mixtape. You put together a mixtape, and who did you have on the mixtape? I had Red Rat. Now, what can you tell and teach to people, Lily Allen? Let's have you serve a purpose here. What can you teach to people about the Red Rat? It's not the Red Rat. He is called Red Rat. And it's amazing, because you can't tell, is it a he or is it a she? And that's very daring, isn't it? It's a he, uh, and I think he hails from Jamaica, probably Kingston. Yes, Kingston, Jamaica. Uh, and he has he has a, a lot of really good songs. And he ended up on your mixtape, which he did. didn't... Actually, he ended up on two of my mixtapes. But it didn't just stop there, Lily Allen. You also plowed into the world of Cutty Ranks. Now, Miss Scar Expert, what can you tell us about Cutty Ranks and Red Rat and all that sort of stuff? You say me done. This is the really, really good song, which goes, You want to test the rocket launcher? 
etc. I'm not going to go any further because it would be a bit embarrassing. But, yeah, good music. I just think it's great. You can put that on a mixtape. A kid can listen to it and go, and you can teach them something about it. So you are a teacher. I wouldn't say that. I think I just share... Well, you taught me about it. I didn't know about it until I listened to your mixtape. Oh, okay, cool. So thank you, Lily Allen. It's a pleasure. Lily Allen. kid. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Lily Allen, we have some information here, but I can tell kids. Okay. And there might be some kids watching. Now, Lily Allen, I have a quote here from Time Out London about Lily Allen. Mm Mm-hmm. The most controversial thing she says all days is an aside about bombing Starbucks. Ah, yes, I remember that. So you talked about bombing Starbucks? No, I, yes, I did. And what did, you, <laughs> and what did you do the other day? Didn't yesterday you have a CD signing in a Starbucks? Yes, I did. So you've come full it circle. It wasn't a CD signing, it was a poster signing. But still, you hung out at Starbucks. So what changed? My record company made me do it. <laughs> so how did you feel going into the Starbucks after making that comment in Time Out London? What did you have? Did you have anything there? Yes, I had a coffee. A latte. Lily Allen, are you mean? Yes, sometimes. From South by Southwest, Lily Allen commented on her manager's incredibly minute male appendage. No, I didn't. I, I commented on the editor of the Enemy magazine's minute appendage. So you're not afraid just to let it go? No. Would you ever make fun of your manager's minute male appendage? And how do you know that it isn't a minute male appendage? I don't. (laughs) Lily Allen, you pass the test. Thank you. Lily Allen, what about back hair? You're a big fan of back hair, aren't you? Yes, I am. Like back hair in a man. Mm Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because a lot of artists are afraid of the back hair. Are they? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people are afraid of the back hair. Why do you like back hair in a man? What other artists have been vocal about back hair? Well, when I've performed myself, jumping around stage with a shirt off, kids would try to light me on fire because they don't like the back hair and they get really sick of the back hair. Oh, okay. So to know that Lily Allen likes back hair, that's awesome. Yeah, I like back hair. You have an amazing tongue. Have people said that to you, Lily Allen? You have an amazing tongue? (sighs) My boyfriend has. (laughs) Baboom. What I meant by that is in a lot of photos taken of you, the tongue is positioned really interestingly. What are the different Lily Allen tongue positions? That one, that one, that one, that one, that one, occasionally. I like the little one, like the little little cat one. The cat one, that's great. I love the Lily Allen tongue positions. Lily Allen, if somebody might be turning the dial on our television, they might come across your music, or supposedly your music, in a deodorant commercial. Really? Yes. Professor Longhair, who you sample, an old ska 60s dude, his music... Ska, he's New Orleans. Thank you again for teaching me. It's a pleasure. His music ended up in a deodorant commercial for sure. Have you heard about this? What do you think about that? I haven't heard. That's the first I've heard about it. Because you have a song called Knock Him Out. Yes, I do. And you sample... Who is Professor Longhair? Let's go a little back here. You teach me a bit more about him. He's from New Orleans. He's a New Orleans piano player, and he did a song called Big Chief, which goes... Like that. And it's the beginning of Knock Him Out. Yes, it is. And it's also the beginning of a deodorant commercial, for sure. Really? Yep. Wow. I learned that on YouTube. Wow. Ladbroke Grove. I love Ladbroke Grove. Ladbroke Grove, yeah. I'm fascinated by that place. Is that where you're from? And it, that's where the Clash kind of grew up, wasn't it? 
I don't know, because they were probably there in about 70s, which is before I was born, so... But they... You really have a big thing about age, don't you, Lily Allen? Not really. You're not afraid to worship the artists from the past, but you don't want to talk about the artists from the past? What do you mean? I don't know. I just thought I'd throw it out there, because you're Lily. We've been talking about artists from the past, have we not? Yes, we have. Thank you. Just checking. Okay. Lily Allen, I was wondering, wondering the Notting Hill Carnival. Mm-hmm. You said you wanted to play that. I have played it. I played it last year. That's pretty exciting because that carnival was where the Clash were inspired to write the song White Riot up from. Oh, really? Wow. And I didn't know that until I started looking up you, Lily Allen, so you taught me that. Okay, cool. Lily Allen, another group that actually mentions Ladbroke Grove in its lyrics is the Slits from England. And I think one of the Slits actually lives in England. Yes, Tessa. She's my godmother. That's that's amazing. Mm. What can you say about Tessa? She's my godmother. But she's still living there after all these years because the Slits were very influential, weren't they? Yes, they were. She still lives there. Ari, who's the lead singer, she lives in Jamaica now, but I think they're touring again. Uh, And they're they're a very influential punk band. And how did she become your godmother? Like, how did you meet her? Was that through your dad? How did that happen? That's pretty cool, having the Slits as your godmother. She was best friends with my mother, actually. (laughs) And looking at the record, they've got a bit of nudity happening there, Lily Allen, a bit of nudity. It's a very famous album cover. They have kind of mud-wrestling women. There was some Lily Allen nudity popping up, wasn't there? I saw a bit of Lily Allen nudity. Has there been any Lily Allen paparazzi nudity? Not paparazzi, but yes, there has been. Why was there Lily Allen nudity, and will it appear on a record? Why is there In what instance? nudity ever? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> what was involved in that nudity? My boob. In what circumstance, though? Uh, in a picture. Somebody was like, hey, Lily, and you're like, hey. Was mm. it inspired by the slits? I guess that's what I'm getting at. No, it wasn't inspired by the slits. Lily, you have your band, the Lily... The Liliettes? No. I thought they're called the Liliettes. No. Did you kindly call them the Liliettes? No, I called them the Lilettes. The Lilettes, okay. Once, but that's not, the, that's not what they're called. That was a joke. Now, on Saturday Night Live, they looked very impressive wearing those blue shirts. Is there a band costume? I think it looks really cool what they're wearing. Is there a band costume or outfit? <clears throat> um, there's not really a band, band costume. Sometimes they wear polo shirts that kind of... They're not the same colour. They're all different colours. The bass player of your band, who is it? And he's really funky. Uh, he's changed three times, actually. He's a master of disguise. Depends which gig you're referring to. I guess the guy on Saturday Night Live. Uh, who was the bass player then? Guy called Pete Martin. What are his credentials, and who's in your band, and how do you get in the Lily Allen Band? There's quite a few members. It's a revolving cast. What does it take to join the Lily Allen Band? Uh, work for very little money and work hard. You don't get much money with Lily Allen, but you get enough money to go to In-N-Out Burger. Have you been to In-N-Out Burger this tour yet? Not this tour, but we have on previous tours. Now, at In-N-Out Burger, how do you order your burger, Lily Allen? There's a secret. Do you know the secret for In-N-Out Burger? animal fries. You can order animal style, right? Animal style, which basically means... I don't know, because I never ordered it, but I've heard about it. Lily Allen, a quote. I had an advanced vocabulary from an early age. This is what you have said. I don't remember saying that. I was just wondering, what words did you know? Advanced. Lily Allen, <laughs> there's that TV show, Never Mind the Buzzcocks, which I think you were on. Really? Oh, yes, yes, I remember that. What can you say about that show? Were you stumped at all being on Never Mind the Buzzcocks? It's a really cool English TV show. Uh, not stumped. It was pretty interesting. I had this really weird guy on my team. 
which he threw me a little bit. What were the questions, and what does it take to throw Lily Allen? I don't know. Because <laughs> that's an amazing TV show. Yes, it is. Are you familiar with it? Yes, I've seen a few episodes on VHS tape. Oh, OK. It's now got a different presenter to what you've probably seen. I think I saw an episode also where a guy from the Cribs was on it, too, which is really cool. He was a guest of one of the Kaiser Chiefs, who I think you're covering these days. Uh, oh, my... Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, I don't cover that for myself, but that's for Mark Ronson's record. So that's it's not something that I've done for me. But it's on vinyl, though. Is it? Yes, there's a vinyl version of it. It isn't. It hasn't been released yet, so it shouldn't be on vinyl. Actually, I did see a version of it on vinyl. It's one of the tracks on his records. It must be illegal, then, because his album isn't out and neither is the single. So. The mixtape. The mixtape. Is... The mixtape scene, maybe. The underground mixtape scene. Oh, right, OK. Well, that was on CD and MP3, not vinyl, so I don't know where you would have seen it. Well, I can send you the link if you'd like. A link to a vinyl? No, a link to the picture of the vinyl. Oh, OK. Everything's yeah. on YouTube. OK. <laughs> Lily Allen, winding up here, what do you think about the horrors from England, the band The Horrors? Uh, you know what? I've never listened to their music. I've seen lots of pictures of them. How do you think they look? <sighs> would guys like that work in Lily Allen's band? Like the horrors of the backing band? No, definitely not. Why is that? Because it doesn't really work with what I do. It's kind of a very kind of gothy rock thing, which isn't the kind of music I make. Lastly here, Lily Allen, what do you think about the Oyster card system in England? The Oyster card. <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty pointless, actually. And it's kind of a bit... Um, it's for the tube, maybe a bit of background. Could you it's explain it? It's not just for the tube, it's for the bus as well. And that's where it comes in to be a bit, a bit silly, really, because you kind of get on the bus and you're meant to take it upon yourself to... You know, press it on the thing, and if you don't, if you do, then it charges charges your card and your account. And if you don't, then obviously you don't get charged. So no one actually presses it, and the London transport system is suffering as a result. So I don't think it is very good. And you love the transport system too. I love the way you you squeeze it in your videos and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, actually, a few weeks ago when I was in London, I forgot that I was the famous Lily Allen and got on the bus. <gasps> Shock horror. It was quite amazing. People were very nice to me, though. They helped me with my bags on and off. That felt very special. What were you carrying? And hey, you have a new bag to carry. Uh, yeah, I was carrying sneakers. Well, thanks so much, Lily Allen. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Not really. Why should people care about Lily Allen? Why should people care? They shouldn't. Well, thanks much, Lily Allen. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do. Do do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Now listen, I think you and me have come to the end of our time. What you want, some kind of reaction? Well, okay, that's fine. Make you feel if I said you never made me come In the year and a half that we spent together Yeah, I never really had much fun All the times that I said I was sober Well, I'm afraid I lied I'd be lying next to you and you next to me All the while I was wise and kind I can see it in your face as you break it to me gentle Yeah, you really must think you're great Well, let's see how you feel in a couple of weeks When I work my way through your Okay. 
You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. And you just heard Not Big by Lily Allen. And before that, an interview with Lily Allen. Right now on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, I'm going to play a request for Hans Kloss. Hans wanted me to replay a record I played a little while back called If the Bomb Falls. It's an LP from the Topps Record Company sometime in the 1960s. I would probably say 1962. It goes as follows. If the Bomb Falls. What will you do if the bomb falls? Being ready is only chance for survival. If the bomb falls and you are near it, nothing will save you. If the bomb falls and you are not near it, only protection against fallout may save you. But such precautions require prior preparation. The nuclear bomb has a far-reaching, long-lasting killing power. It is for this reason that our agencies of civil defense have been trying to impress upon us the urgency of being prepared for this dreadful possibility. It is a matter of life or death. This record, if the bomb falls, is not for entertainment. It is for survival. 
It tells explicitly what to do to give yourself, you and your family, the greatest possible protection in the event of a nuclear attack upon the United States. No mention of Canada here. The instructions that you will hear have been approved by the Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization. Enclosed with this album are pamphlets issued by the OCDM, which give instructions in first aid, explain the functions of Colorado, describe protective measures against fallout, show building plans for shelters, and give information on living in a shelter. If the bomb falls... Be prepared for Hans Kloss. The threat of nuclear warfare is a threat to all of us. How can we live with this threat? Our best life insurance may be summed up in four words. Be alert. Stay alert. This will take some doing on your part. It will take ingenuity. It will take fervor. It will take the desire to survive. And it need not take a lot of money. All you'll need is shelter and common sense. Nature packs more power into a thunderstorm, a volcano, or an earthquake than man does into a bomb. But the weapon that man has created concentrates its punch within a small area, say 10 miles across. Since we like our foods concentrated and readily available for use, we might label our nuclear weapons instant death. There's no doubt about it, if you live within a few miles of where one of these bombs strike, you'll die instantly. You'll also die if you live downwind from where the bomb falls, even a few hundred miles away. It may be a slow and lingering death, but it would be equally as final as the death from the bomb blast itself. You'll die unless you have shelter. Shelter from the intense heat and the radiation that is the byproduct of a nuclear explosion. Some of this radiation disappears in the twinkling of an eye. Some of it lingers for thousands of years. You must have protection against that radiation. A home shelter can provide that protection. The Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization has given long study to the problem of home shelters. It's been found feasible, practical, and also fairly cheap. Thus, the President of the United States has urged a program of home shelters. The OCDM has provided plans for them. They're contained in a booklet called The Family Fallout Shelter and booklets will be found with this record album. Let's assume bombs fall before you have time to prepare a shelter, or 
while you wait in the belief atomic war will never come. We can always hope that man will never use such a weapon, but we should also adopt the Boy Scout slogan, be prepared. The first alert is sounding. You hear it in the background. What will you do? There are three courses of action open to you. They'll vary in different sections of the country. Evacuation can lead to massive death tolls if carried out in big cities by panic-stricken people. In some places, you're advised to leave the city or the target area if it's known. In other places, you're told to seek shelter in pre-established areas or go to your own family shelter. For since the advent of the intercontinental missile, the time available for evacuation now can be measured in minutes instead of hours. So, off to the shelter. Listen to civil defense instructions on your car radio if you're driving. Stay tuned to the Conrad channels, 640 or 1240 kilocycles, whichever you can hear better. If you have not provided a shelter in your home, some protection against fallout can be provided in a basement. If you don't have a basement or a storm cellar, seek a room in the center of the house, away from windows. Listen to civil defense instructions. You should have a battery-operated radio and an extra supply of batteries in case of power failure. It's quite possible that radioactive fallout will be quite light in your area, extremely heavy in others. Your civil defense authorities will tell you. It may be safe for you to leave your house after a few hours, or it may be as long as two weeks or more. Two weeks with very little food or water, tension, unaccustomed closeness. Two weeks with sanitary facilities most likely not operating. No lights, no phone, just terror. But you will be alive to enjoy these small problems. Many thousands may be dead and wounded. Hunger, thirst, and disease will follow a bomb attack. We can help control these conditions by preparing a home shelter and by being informed. That's why this public service recording was made, to help you survive. Under certain conditions, a person can live without food for two weeks if he has water. Medical authorities tell us that the psychological factor is worse than not eating. It's the fear that kills faster than starvation itself. But it's wiser and far more comforting to provide shelter, food, water, and sanitary conveniences if we hope to live after a bomb falls. Let's take a look at the family-type shelters. These have been devised by experts. Stanford Research Institute, Army Signal Corps, and Naval Radiation Laboratory. They've been tested against atomic weapons at the vast Nevada test site. There's the above-ground double-wall shelter. Expensive, 
but capable of withstanding blast as well as fallout in most cases. There's the basement concrete block shelter, if your basement's big enough for it. The underground reinforced concrete shelter can be built as a basement within a new house, or it can be buried in the backyard. There's the pre-shaped metal arch shelter, a half dome of corrugated iron culvert covered with earth, or the reinforced concrete pipe shelter set on end below ground. Depending on family size and requirements, they range in cost from $200 to $1,500. Before you build, consult a contractor and check your local building laws. Radiation which drifts down or falls out of the mushroom cloud marking the explosion of a nuclear weapon has great powers of penetration, like an arrow piercing an apple. Two feet of concrete or three feet of earth will provide the protection necessary against fallout. Your shelter should provide 10 square feet of floor space per person, and it must be provided with filtered ventilation. A hand-operated blower is essential for underground shelters. Sleeping accommodations can be either bunk beds that fold up or hammocks, which can be taken down when not in use. Electric current probably will be unavailable, whereas continuous low-level lighting can be provided by means of a four-cell hotshot battery wired to a flashlight bulb. Have spare batteries. And have a flashlight or Coleman lantern when brighter light is needed. You'll need a battery-powered radio with an outside antenna to pick up civil defense instructions. For the period immediately following an attack, all Conrad stations will be operating at reduced power. And don't forget those extra batteries. You'll need lots of food and supplies, first aid and sanitation equipment. You'll be told about these on the other side of this record. And there's much valuable information provided in the folders within this album. Read them and keep them. Your life may depend on them. Meanwhile, let's go back and summarize some of the essential facts you'll need to know to survive a nuclear attack. First, learn the warning signals. The alert signal is a steady blast on a siren or fire horn of three to five minutes duration. This is how it sounds. The take cover signal is a wailing tone or a series of short blasts of three minutes duration. Second, tune your radio to the Conrad stations, either 640 or 1240 kilocycles. Listen carefully to the instructions. Your life depends on how well you follow them. Do not use the telephone. Third, assemble your family. If your children are at school, 
they'll be cared for. Or if there's sufficient time, they'll be sent home. People who are at work will either go home or to a shelter provided for them. Fourth, know how to store and purify water. Tightly capped jars of water will stay palatable for about three months. Replace the water regularly. Canned water also is available. Fifth, know what foods to store and how to prepare them. Your shelter's provisions should emphasize high concentration of food value rather than volume. It should preserve well and it should be easy to prepare. Foods canned in metal or glass will stay in good condition for six or more months if kept in a dry, cool place. Use small cans. You'll have no refrigerator to store leftover food for another meal. You'll need a canned heat stove. Have plenty of fuel for it. Sixth, know how to dispose of human wastes. Seventh, know how to decontaminate. And eighth, make sure that some member of the family knows the fundamentals of first aid and have a first aid kit in the shelter. Be alert, stay alert. Then your chances of living longer are multiplied a thousandfold. Turn this record over and learn why a shelter program may save your life. President Roosevelt once said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. The phrase well fits the situation about fallout, the reason home shelters are needed. You don't have to be an expert to understand radioactivity. Our whole world is radioactive. The air you breathe, the water you drink, the food you eat, all contain small quantities of radioactivity. You probably have been exposed to radiation from X-ray machines. You may have a watch or a clock with a luminous dial. It, too, is radioactive. Fallout from man-made methods is comparatively new. It dates from 1945, when the first atomic bomb was exploded. Because modern weapons have grown vastly in size, fallout is a serious problem. It may be with us forever. So long as the threat of war or nuclear accidents exist, this problem is important to you. Fallout consists of bits of radioactive dust, debris, or solid matter which settle or fall out from the mushroom cloud formed when a nuclear weapon is exploded. These radioactive particles act like miniature X-ray machines. They send out rays in many directions. This radiation is extremely dangerous. Over a period of time, sufficient quantities of radiation can lead to illness or death. But it's possible to protect yourself from it by taking the simple but important step of providing shelter against it. Let's assume that you've built a shelter, or at least have made some provision for your family in an area protected from fallout. You may not have much time to get into that shelter, so it's wise to furnish it now. Most of the equipment can stay there indefinitely. 
food, however, should be replaced regularly. You'll need cooking and serving equipment, a canned heat cooking unit with extra cans of fuel, a frying pan, cups and napkins, a double boiler, such things as bottle and can openers, plates, eating utensils, measuring cups, matches, and a pocket knife. You'll need clothing and bedding, blankets and sheets or sleeping bags, spare clothing. You'll need a battery-powered radio with aerial and extra batteries. You'll need sanitation supplies, deodorizer, soap, toilet tissue, paper towels, sanitary napkins, disinfectant, garbage can, human waste can, emergency toilet, newspapers, paper bags. If you have a baby, you'll need dehydrated milk, bottles and nipples, disposable diapers, and extra water. You'll need recreational and spiritual supplies, a Bible, books, cards or games, and if there are any children, toys. You'll need light, a flashlight with extra batteries, candles, a calendar, a clock, and hand tools probably will not be amiss if you have sufficient room. And in your car, against the day, maybe two weeks later, when you can evacuate, you should keep a ground cover, a tent, and extra gasoline. Most important to you and your well-being is a proper supply of food. Actually, a human being can live well beyond two weeks without food if he has water, but it can be a nervous strain, and there's no reason to impose this upon your family. Just keep this in mind. A balanced ration is important. The smart housewife will select foods that require little space for storage, that keep for months without refrigeration, and that require little or no cooking. If it's required by the presence within the shelter of toddlers or invalids or diabetics or old folk, provide special milk or strained, chopped or other special foods. Small cans and jars sufficient only for a single meal are best for foods which spoil rapidly. Remember, you'll have no refrigeration. The Stanford Research Institute has prepared survival plans for its own employees, providing a list of foods which it finds sufficient to provide an adult with 2,000 calories per day for two weeks. Multiply the amount in the list by the number of people in your family, and you'll know how much to stock in your basement. After you've heard the following list, you may want to play it again while you copy down the food you'll need. The first item is milk. Dry, non-fat, 20 ounces. Evaporated, 14 ounces. Then juice. Tomato, grape, apple, 64 ounces. Get it in bottles with crown caps only. Juices will spoil if left too long in metal cans. Fruits. Applesauce, pears, peaches, apricots. Make sure that they're in glass jars with glass lids. You'll need 112 ounces per person. Vegetables, corn, peas, beans, spinach. 
112 ounces. Soups, canned or if dehydrated, in cans. Avoid tomato soup. You'll need 112 ounces again. There are lots of one-dish meals available, such as chicken and rice or noodles, pork and beans, baked kidney beans, chili con carne, and beef stew. When you get pork and beans, buy the brands without tomato sauce. You'll need 208 ounces of these foods. Jam, jelly, or marmalade, in glass jars again, 14 ounces. Crackers, in cans or glass if you can, or store them in glass jars. You'll need 56 ounces per person. Four ounces of instant coffee or tea or instant cocoa will see an adult or a child through a two-week period. And four ounces each of sugar and salt. Hard candies are almost a must for quick energy. A pound a person would be right for 14 days. Lastly, water. Drinking water and water for cleaning. You should have seven gallons of water per person for drinking. It should be stored in glass containers with tight-fitting lids in a dark place. And the containers should be rinsed and refilled every three months to keep the water fresh. It's quite possible that during your stay in the shelter, you'll be told that the radiation level has fallen sufficiently for you to go outside safely for a short length of time. During this period, you should bury your garbage and human waste at least two feet deep in the earth. Also at this time, get an additional supply of water if it's not been contaminated by fallout. Keep this separate from your drinking water until you can purify it, either by boiling, by chlorination, or by iodization. The halozone tablets your husband or your father used during the war to purify water are good. These may be hard to find, but try a drugstore or a sporting goods store. You should know how to treat broken bones, halt bleeding, or handle burns. You'll not be able to telephone for an ambulance or call the doctor. You'll be on your own. This brings us to the first aid kit. It need not be elaborate. A small bottle of antiseptic solution, four triangular bandages for slings, a two-ounce bottle of aromatic spirits of ammonia to treat faintness, packaged, folded, sterile dressings to cover open wounds or burns. For bandages, improvise. Use bath or hand towels or bed sheets. The older and softer, the better. Be sure you have safety pins and something sharp to cut bandages, and that you have plenty of mild soap for cleanliness. By all means, provide some tranquilizers to ease the strain and monotony of life in a shelter. A bottle of 100 should be adequate for a family of four. Tranquilizers are not a narcotic and are not habit-forming. Ask your doctor for his recommendation. No one knows if you'll ever need a shelter. But in this atomic age, it's wise to be prepared. The best advice your government can give you is alert today, alive tomorrow.
And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard the entire If the Bomb Falls record from 1961 on the Tops record label. A bit of background on the record again. Here's what it says on the front. Here what to do in case of a nuclear attack. Free government survival pamphlets are enclosed. The Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization has gone all out in its cooperation with TOPS Records. This record and the enclosed suggestions, charts, guides, and highly researched protective measures will give you the basic plan for survival. In the interest of safety of our nation and its people, we must all do our part by being informed and being prepared to meet any emergency that threatens our homes and families. Plans for practical food stocks, clothing, etc. is incorporated into this well-planned program. Give these records to your friends. You may save their lives. Of course, this record... And this podcast is available at citr.ca. To end the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show, I'm going to play a bit more of Jackie Matu, who, Lily Allen, who was earlier on the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show, sampled for her big hit, Smile. Here's Jackie Matu, who lived in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, for a good part of his life. case for Dr. Ringding.
Thank you. 